This is The Torchbearers, an all-new podcast from the First Generation Students' Union at the University of British Columbia. My name is Alec Christensen, and each episode we will be hearing from first-generation and low-income UBC students, staff, and faculty about their experiences through university and both the barriers and the triumphs they face along the way. Before we begin, we want to acknowledge that The Torchbearers is recorded and produced on the ancestral, traditional, and unceded territories of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people at and around the University of British Columbia. Episode 8, Life After Graduation So far in The Torchbearers, we focus primarily on the stories and barriers faced by current students. Yet it's important to acknowledge that many of these issues continue to affect first-generation and low-income students even after they complete their degrees. While some struggles, such as homework, for example, are unique to student life, others, such as poverty, food insecurity, and rising rent costs, persist. In addition are new challenges that emerge, a competitive job market, relocation for financial or employment reasons, and what looks to be a looming economic recession as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, all of which will affect many graduating students' transitions into the professional world. For some, immigration status becomes a renewed issue, with study permits expiring and work permits typically tied to employment status. This is not at all to suggest that graduation should not be a time for celebration. While the class of 2020's graduation ceremonies are all canceled or replaced with virtual events, This time of year is often one for celebrating the accomplishments of graduating students, in particular recognizing those who had to overcome increased obstacles in order to complete their degrees. So today on The Torchbearers, we're going to explore what life after graduation looks like for first-generation and low-income students, highlighting some of the struggles that they continue to face, but also celebrating their accomplishments. Meet Prince Adu. If you've listened to the trailer for this podcast, maybe you'll remember him. All I can say is, look, it is possible. There are barriers. I'm aware of those. I've been through it. But it is possible to get to, um, to, 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 get to see your full potential. You can achieve whatever dreams you set, um, you set for yourself. I'll let him introduce himself. Yeah, so my name is Prince Edu. I studied um, population and public health. I got my PhD in population and public health at UBC and uh, currently I'm a postdoctoral scholar at the BC Center for Disease Control. So home is Ghana. I was born and raised there, had um, my education up to my undergraduate um, degree there. I and then after my undergraduate degree, I did my compulsory national service. And then I worked for a little bit um, doing international development, um, working in research and also doing some volunteer work as well. And then after that, I applied to go study in the US do my master's in international development. And then from there, I came to UBC. In 2019, Prince completed a PhD program in population and public health at UBC, culminating what was essentially 
a 10-year educational journey in Ghana, the United States, and finally, Canada, along the way receiving a bachelor's degree, two master's degrees, and most recently, his doctoral degree. Prince's story stands as an example of the success that awaits first-generation and low-income students, despite the adversity they face in getting there. As Prince explained, his success was only possible because he had the necessary support from his family and what he deemed most important, a strong work ethic, in order to deal with the sheer number of expenses and challenges he faced upon arriving in the U.S. Yeah, so it was all, you know, um, so when I finished my bachelor's, um, I worked and saved up some money. It wasn't much. Look, when I got to, when I was going to the U.S., I had less than 1500 US dollars on me to start life. I think it was actually, I remember it was quite a struggle to pay my first rent. Speaking a little to the former, his family support, here's a quick anecdote. I got my plane tickets covered um, by an uncle. And then I had worked and saved up some little money. And so that was enough for me to get started with. And I got very, very cheap accommodation. We are about eight people in a three-bedroom house. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's the, the, the accommodation, you know, could be very, very cheap. Because otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to afford. Financially supporting Prince, Beyond the income from the many jobs he worked while in school was a family affair, with everyone contributing to his success. He cited his family's view on the importance of education as a key reason for this support. So education is very is highly valued in my family and in in the country as a whole. You know, anybody who um, who decides to pursue education. Um, is viewed in a very positive light. And if there's any support, you're likely to get that support. In addition to financial support from his family, Prince consistently worked several jobs at a time to support himself while in school. Uh, my funding came with, um, so it's not like free money. It's, it's not like a scholarship, just go free. You work for that money. So I had, uh, we call it a graduate assistantship. And then I supplemented that with my work at the at the university's bakery. Yeah, so my first job was at the um, at the bakery. So, or more let's call it the university's kitchen, right? Um, so, I you know flipped <laughs> pizzas and then you know made muffins and that kind of thing. Wake up, so the schedule was wake up. Very early in the morning, maybe around five o'clock, five thirty. Um, make sure I get my four-hour shift from six in the morning, and this is Ohio, very cold. As you may grasp, Prince's story bears many similarities to other first-generation student experiences, at least in some broad ways. Having established some of these key similarities, we can now begin to look at his experiences after graduation, how his time in school informed them and the two biggest factors that allowed Prince to find success during and after university. We'll do so right after this break. The Graduate Student Society of UBC represents and advocates on behalf of all UBC graduate students to the university, the government, and the public. They provide academic, professional, 
social, and recreational services to their members and act as stewards of the Thea Kerner House Graduate Student Center. The GSS offers peer support services, student assistance funds, and other services designed to support UBC graduate students. For more information, go to gss.ubc.ca. Welcome back to The Torchbearers. We're going to continue to hear from Prince Adu, a first-generation student from UBC who in May 2019 graduated with a PhD in population and public health. Prince emphasized his family's pride for him and his academic journey, noting one family member in specific who, in a way, entirely enabled him to so much as apply for university. Well, it was difficult getting the support in a sense that, so I'll give you an example. This same uncle who helped me get the, um, who bought the ticket for me, was also the one who ended up paying my uh, application fees. And in fact, his wife, because my application fees are just, I had done my application, it was just sitting down collecting dust. So I needed someone to help pay my application fee and nobody was there. And that friend ended up disappointing me. Um, and so I had totally given up my dream to go um, study abroad. And I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And I just visited my aunt. She asked me what I was up to. And I said, well, I've applied, you know, to this school that I'm really passionate about, um, this program. And unfortunately, I do have, the, I have no means of paying for the $50 application fee. And she's like, whoa. And when is it due? I said, well, it's due in a week. And so I don't think I'm going to make it. So I've forgotten about it. She was like, you know what? I'm just going to discuss this with my husband because it's a joint account. Come see me tomorrow. And then we will try and get you a check because you have a bank in the U.S. And so that was what made my dream possible. That dream couldn't have happened. Is this sort of pride and support that enabled Prince to find success in university, or even attend it for that matter? It is the same support that helped him immediately after graduating as well. He also noted that he was lucky to have a relatively smooth transition after graduation, and importantly, what enabled such a successful transition from the educational sphere to the professional one. So my transition from uh, my studies to my current position was smooth, I must admit, because I'm still in a sort of academic environment, semi-academic, you know, um, semi-industry, if um, I can call it so. So I already lined up um, or was able to have this position prior to my officially completing and that was because I started early. I started shopping around and tapping into my existing network. So, and that's one thing that I think a lot of um, people need to take advantage of, take advantage of your existing network. So in your classes, you may have uh, your professor's first, your first network, you don't never build, I mean, burn your bridges, your colleagues, your friends, these are all important um, people that you're eventually going to tap into. And so 
when I was about to finish, I started talking to people, people who 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 knew me, who knew about my work, um, guest speakers who had come to uh, classes that I took, and you know, I started reaching out to them to see if they had something going on. I knew I wanted to be in academia, I wanted to do research. And so it was through this route that I came across this opportunity at the BC um, CDC, and then I was able to just um, jump on this project that I'm working on, yeah. Were there any like, did you have like a, any a sort of anxiety coming out of the program about, about what you were gonna do next, or did you? Yes. Confident that having accomplished all that you had so far, that 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 things would work out. Yes. Yeah. I was definitely very very anxious um, because you know people when I was in the program, people kept asking, the, and the pressure, the anxiety usually they come from outside. You know, people drive that anxiety because when are you finishing? When are you finishing? And then. You finish and you ask, okay, what you gonna do? Um, so I I experienced that, and so I was I must say I was really scared, especially you know after getting a PhD, you don't want to be sitting on it. You want to be using it for something worthwhile, and so I I was anxious, but again I was lucky to have found um, something right away, and they didn't have to sit around waiting. Um, and that's all because I started early. So mm-hmm. um, it's good to send out those applications or start talking to people way ahead of time. And finally, I wanted to know what the proudest moment of Prince's journey was, be it submitting a thesis or dissertation, attending a graduation ceremony, finding a job after graduation, or a specific project he undertook at any point during his academic career. To be Honest, yes. I think my most um, memorable time was when I first had someone who approached me and said that they wanted um, me to sort of mentor them, you know. Um, And this is a complete stranger, someone who had just found me and wanted to come. To me, that was uh, very personal and very humbling. And so, yes, the graduation, the time that you submit, I think those are just generic milestones that everyone would be proud of. Um, but for me, what really, what has really touched me throughout this journey was that point where someone had seen what I had done and the person came up and said you know what I am proud of what you've done and I would want you to mentor me or I want you to show me how you did it. Prince's story is a unique one in the way that all stories we've heard thus far on this podcast are unique. The sort of family support he received in the smooth transition into professional life are not universal experiences, especially for first-generation and low-income students. This is not to diminish the effort and work required of Prince in order to receive his degrees, but nonetheless, it is important we note the ways that all of the stories and experiences come with different contexts. Two things from Prince's story stand out as being key 
to the success of first-generation and low-income students. The first is a network of support, be it in terms of academic and career planning, financial support, or other services and systems that are implemented to assist students who may need additional help. Not all students are fortunate to have a supportive family or a family who possesses the resources and means needed to support their child's education, and that is where the university has an obligation to step in. The second, I'll let Prince tell you. Yeah, well, the most important thing is to believe in yourself and to believe that, you know, despite those barriers, you can always do what you set your mind to do. And again, it may sound like a cliche. You may sound, this is something that most motivational speakers say or most people, but it is true. Your drive is all you have. You know, you may not be able to accomplish everything in life or everything you set to do, true. But if you don't set to do it, how do you know? Or how, how do you get an answer as to whether you're going to be able to accomplish it or not? And so the, the truth is, yes, we live in a world, especially if you're low income or you're a person coming from a systematically marginalized society. Yes, the challenges are real. Nobody should discount that. But your drive is more powerful than, than the challenges. There is always a way. You just need to ask. You just need to explore. You know, and that is what um, that has been to me. That's been my um, my journey. Hard work is a requirement of every student, prior to, during, and even after university. However, without clear systems of support, even hard work may not prove enough for students to find success. Thinking about how first-generation students may navigate life after graduating, not necessarily able to have their parents' guidance, I think it's important to reconsider how we frame the student experience. Not only should we be concerned with the barriers that first-generation students face as students, but the ones they face after university, and even prior to university, be it ensuring information is accessible for prospective students who may not have internet access, or providing resources to help graduating students navigate the job market, immigration, finances, or whatever other aspects of life may not include clear instructions. After all, if the mission of the university is to equip students with the necessary skills to navigate the professional world and be active in contributing members of society, then what students do and what obstacles they face beyond the university spheres should be key measurements of their success. This has been The Torchbearers. The Torchbearers is produced by the First Generation Student Union at UBC and me, Alec Christensen, and is directed by Zara Fazal. The podcast is funded by the 2019 UBC Equity Enhancement Fund. If you're curious to learn more about the First Generation experience, consider getting involved with the FGSU Club and stay updated with all that we do by following us on Facebook. You can find us by searching at UBC FGSU. To hear more stories from first-generation and low-income students, subscribe to The Torchbearers on SoundCloud and Spotify. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review to help us grow. And join us next time to celebrate the final episode of The Torchbearers with a look inside the podcast.